Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome to Socially Savvy, broadcasting live from the Washington State Wine Awards here in Banner Royal Hall. I have my fabulous co-host, Ian McNeil of Glass Distilleries. Hi, Abby. How are you tonight? I am fantastic. I have to give you a lot of credit. You came in a little bit later, so... I'm just going to warn all the listeners, I have a heavy list tonight. <laughs> it's okay, and you have purple tea. I'll, I'll tell that to you. Oh my goodness, listeners. you're not telling me that. Yes, I know you've been trying to sip a little white wine with it. But yes, Stacy told me that trick. Well, I love my red, so I can't <laughs> help it. Today's show is brought to you by Glass Vodka, Washington State Wine Awards, Pine Bars, and of course we want to thank Benaroya Hall. So, as we do with every show, we're going to start off with an on-air wine tasting. We've been tasting wines all night. Um, we've got Jamie. She's going to be joining here in just a second from uh, Jamie Piha from Table Talk Northwest. And we have had so much fun. Washington State Wine Awards is one of our favorite events. We've uh, had the privilege of broadcasting here for the last three years. And today we're starting off with an amazing wine, which I have never tried before. I did this on purpose, so I'm going to hand the mic over to one of the wine reps. He's going to tell us about the wine, and I'm going to drink it for the first time. I am not drinking this for the first time. This is an excellent <laughs> example of Washington red wines from Red Mountain. I, I, I'm a little embarrassed. You should be embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's my, okay. This will, you'll get to put forth an honest opinion of how great this wine is. Well, my name is Ken Abbott. I'm representing Obelisco. My uncle and godfather is the winemaker and owner. And uh, we've got a taste in the Wood and Bill, and we have an estate vineyard on Red Mountain. And a lot of people know about Red Mountain. Uh, by the way, I just have to say, everybody here has purple tea. So <laughs> don't worry about that part. It's all right. <laughs> but um, I'm glad that this is the first time you get to try it, because it's always fun to see how people react to the wine. And uh, just a little bit about the vineyard. Uh, we have 30 acres for our main vineyard on Red Mountain, which is the most intensely planted vineyard in the state of Washington. So most vineyards you might see about 900 or 950 plants an acre. We've got closer to 2,000. Um, that doesn't mean we get more production. We actually get about the same amount of wine, but we get much smaller grapes. So we like our wines to be dominated by those skin tannins rather than the seed and the stem tannin. And uh, that's kind of our French way of going about it. So, would you like to try the first one? I've been sitting here smelling it, sniffing it. I actually did taste it. Um, I have to say, what my, my, my thing with wines is, Washington wines have always surprised me because if you want to pick out a Washington wine from anybody else, the nose does not necessarily reflect the flavors of the wine, which I love because the flavors come out in the profile of the where it was grown, the climate, everything else. And this is no exception. I love the nose of it, but what I love so much is it has this long, drawn-out flavor. So tell us about what that is. Well, that goes right back to what I was talking about with the intensity of the vineyard. When you have a smaller grape, because of the competition among the vines, you get more skin content that actually goes into the press. 
and that skin has a tannin that tends to be a longer, smoother, silkier tannin that goes to your mouth and makes that flavor last a little bit longer. So what you're drinking now is the Merlot. It's 100% Merlot, but to us it kind of tastes a little bit like a Bordeaux blend because yeah. when you taste it out of the barrel, it's almost like there's a little bit of cab mixed into it, but it's 100%. And that's just something Red Mountain does to wine. Red Mountain just adds flavor spectrums to the wine that you wouldn't expect. Well, one of the things, like, I, I love what red wine tastes like. I love red wine. Yeah, that's how long I've been drinking wine tonight. Um, but Washington wines, for me, have always had a characteristic that is, you can actually kind of close your eyes and if you really love wines and you really are trying to grasp what they do and, and what they're trying to say, with a Washington wine, that's, that's, you, you can do that. I know with uh, California wines, I've always really struggled because it's like they try to always be a clone of each other. Where Washington wines, they were like, we want to celebrate our uniqueness and we want to show that off and we want to share that with you. Right, right. Well, we, we have the freedom in Washington State. We're not tied to a particular style. We're very lucky that way. If you're in Napa, you have to have a Napa cab to be considered a Napa winery. Here, you can go, you know, a much more elegant wine. You can move away from that. You can have a little bit more fruit forwardness. You don't have to have all the, the tons of heavy toast on your barrels. Um, so you can really get the varietal characteristics from our wines here um, more so than most. I've got a second wine. Do you want to try it? I am sitting here at the Washington State Wine Awards. Uh, is that a natural question, Ian? That's a natural question, and the natural answer is... Yes, please. But of course. And I would love to, to, while we have this moment, to introduce Jamie Pihaw from Table Talk Northwest. I've had the privilege of working with you several times. I absolutely adore you. You work harder than anybody that I know. And you have an event coming up that I would love for you to plug real quick. That is so much fun for anybody who's living in Washington. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity. It's always <laughs> fun to join you on your show. Um, the Seattle Wine and Food Experience is coming up on February 21st and 22nd. Starts off with an event on Saturday night, the 21st, called Pops, Bubbles, and Seafood. And uh, can't wait. We have, yeah, we have 10 <laughs> great chefs doing seafood from this course Northwest Bounty. And uh, we have uh, Taylor Chalmers there doing oysters. And then that will be paired with champagne and Oh my really gosh. a nice event. It's uh, kind of an evening event. It's uh, under a tent with a chandelier and some lighting, and it's going to be really a fun event for about 300 people, so nice and intimate. Wow. Okay, so just a quick little yep. blurb. So if somebody's looking for this event, where are they going to find you? SeattleWineAndFoodExperience.com, and the big event is on February 22nd, and that is uh, a tasting, a five-hour tasting, and we have about 180 vendors and wineries from all over the world. Of course, we have a Thank you so much for being a part tonight because you to me you really do speak to not just the local wines which is great we love our Washington wines but you do a great job of, of pairing them with foods and bringing in people and wineries that maybe are kind of obscure or people wouldn't get a chance to try and I love that thank you thank you for having me so we're gonna do our second tasting I know it's kind of a rush beginning of the show we're doing a lot of tasting tonight <laughs> tell us a little bit about the second tasting well, again, this is coming from our state vineyard, that really intense planning that I was describing earlier. This one's a Cabernet, our state Cabernet. It's 80% Cab, 20% Merlot. 
So oh, it's really wow. kind of a Bordeaux-styled Cabernet. Uh, it, we wanted to have that kind of the softer, more elegant characteristics of a French Cabernet. Yeah, totally agree. It's lovely. It, it, what I like about this wine, sorry, the stutter, but <laughs> what I love about this wine is it's very smooth in its application. And for those of you who are like me, just getting into the wine tasting for the last couple of years, um, you find different wines have characteristics, whether you'll either kind of, they're approachable to you or they're not. This to me is a very approachable wine to a novice wine drinker or somebody who's been drinking wine for a really long time. If you've been drinking it for a long time, this is a wine you're gonna put on your table and you're gonna go, yeah, even my best wine, my little quote unquote wine connoisseurs, they're gonna love this. For that new wine novice who they're just starting to dabble and they, they wanna really kind of grab onto something and go, I get what this wine is, they're gonna be able to relate to this. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, really that's kind of the goal of the, the way we plant the vineyard, the way we make the wines is we do want them to open up a little bit sooner. And, and the joy of having that much skin content in the press is you get those softer tannins that do make it more approachable. But those tannins do all the great things like aging your wine like you want it to do. So you get all the ageability, all the body that you want, but you've got a tannin that opens up and is a little bit silkier and smoother earlier on. So for our newer wine drinkers, with, with the wines that you've introduced to us tonight, what is the laydown period? Because some people think, okay, so I'm buying wine, Okay, so I'm buying wine to drink tonight, or I'm buying wine because I want to save it for a special occasion. How long should or could somebody lay down one of your wines for? Well, for the Merlots, you're going to be looking at probably anywhere, depending on the year, you're probably looking about 10 to 12 years. Okay. For the Cabernets, we're, depending, we make several different kinds of Cabernets. This one in particular is probably a 15 to 20 year, which means that it's improving for 15 to 20 years. So your shelf life is actually going to be greater than that. But, you know, one of the great things about wine that people forget and why we like our wines is no one ever remembers to call the restaurant and say, open up my wine four hours before they come in for, for <laughs> food, right? No one ever does that. No. Um, so most of the time when you have a really good cab, they're not really drinking as they're intended to be at. Um, where this wine, because it does open up a little bit sooner with that softer tannin, you do get a little bit more of a flavor of what it should be when you do drink it. Thank you so much for sharing and being such a big part of tonight's show. Can you tell us where we could find your wines? Absolutely. We're, uh, we have a tasting room in the Woodenville Warehouse District. So uh, come by and see us anytime. Awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> My turn to go get purple teeth now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. At, at the Washington State Wine Awards, it's almost impossible not to get purple teeth. And of course, if you're Ian and you walk in, now you're going to be, you get purple teeth when we're all done. I'm, I'm trying. I'm desperately <laughs> trying to catch up. I know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like I should be telling people, bring over the wine. <laughs> We're hiding over here in the corner, and I don't think people know that they should be bringing us wine. You should get that out there. Well, last year we were over in the front, so everybody was right there. And so today, tonight we wanted to kind of sit back, and um, I wanted to be able to have conversation and talk about, you know, you're in distilling, so I want you to tell us a little bit about you. You've been on the show before, obviously. I have, yes. Um, and you have such a unique approach because you have distillery and you do a magnificent vodka. Thank you, and I think it's sort of appropriate that, uh, well, thank you again for coming back on the show. But are you I'm kidding? Here, it's, um, so many of these winemakers are friends of mine, and so many of these wineries uh, 
are a part of what I'm trying to accomplish with our distillery because you know I make my vodkas from Washington wine grapes. Yeah. So I wish this could have uh, a little component of distilled spirits and maybe in some uh, some point the Washington Wine Awards will eventually encompass some of the other things that, that come from the Washington wine industry like brandies, yeah. eau de vies, and vodkas. Uh, I, I would venture some, to say that maybe proof will probably bring that forth. Proof, uh, proof will, but then what proof does is uh, they get the uh, the other side of the house, uh, and they then it becomes all distilleries. And I'd like to be sort of that in between, uh, that in between, the yeah. liaison between the two industries. And uh, I, I will tell you, I, I was distilling today for, <laughs> for one of the reasons why I didn't get here sooner to indulge in some of these great wines. But um, hard work. I don't know if it's if it's if it's anything but just my love of the great fruit that is produced here in Washington work. State, yeah. and uh, the the distillery just smells fantastic on distilling days, because I'm taking beautiful white wine, sadly heating to the point where I extract all the alcohol, <laughs> but the whole room just smells like warm wine. I feel like we should come. I feel like we should come and do a live broadcast, but there's there's no. Um, was that uh, Charlie the Chocolate Factory where yeah. they have that scent? Oh yeah. I feel like we need to have that that sensory of scent going. I, on. I wish you could push <laughs> that out to the listeners, but you you would find it's it's um it's less romantic when you get there and you see everything in operation <laughs> than you think because there's you see the huge set of copper stills and pipes and glass. Which by the way, they're beautiful. You have you. a it beautiful is. tasting. We record. we work very hard to um, to present it in a clean, artistic, scientific way. However, there's not all this noise, there's not all these moving parts or things that you would assume in a big industrial environment. It's just this very pleasant, quiet, and I don't know necessarily quiet because I do have a lot of music on me. <laughs> sometimes it's kind of loud, sometimes it's um, poetic, but uh, anyway, it's, it would be a great place to actually do a broadcast because it wouldn't be very disruptive to the broadcast. Well, I'm definitely planning on one this year, so we will we'll have to figure out a, a time frame where you feel like it's a good ambiance to talk about what's going on. Yeah, I love it. We'll do that. We can, we'll come and do it maybe at uh, one of our Glass Distillery Society of Connoisseurs events. I love that. We had the privilege of coming down, and you had your Kona Blend ah, vodka, yeah. which was a, for our holiday open house. Oh my gosh! And my husband is a coffee connoisseur. I don't I don't drink coffee, so it's like talking to me about whiskeys, I'd be like, duh, what? But he could not stop going on and on about your Kona Blend. Hey, thank you. Thank you. That's, uh, that's a, a vodka that um, that I produce. It's glass vodka, so it's 100% grape based. But uh, then I infuse it with uh, Kona coffee post-distillation, so it's beautiful and dark. I would love that. Oh, you <laughs> like it. And if I you like really caffeine, would. you'd really oh, like this. I must try it very much. <laughs> mesmerizing me here, but I think it's because of the ankles, really. I, I want you to know that I posted... He has sexy ankles. has sexy ankles and no socks and loafers, I gotta tell you. It's looking good. It's on Facebook. I've asked if anyone can identify the ankles. I would love to say I think he's dropping spring really hard right now. I drop spring year-round. About the only time I wear socks is in my ski boots. People laugh even in my golf shoes right now. How has it been for you? Um, I mean, are you just really... Ramping up even more with your distillery at this point. We 
we are. In fact, some of the restaurateurs who are here tonight, uh, I got some nice pats on the back and a, a great shout out to my new distributor. Oh, good. Uh, we are now, after two years of self-distributing in the state, uh, we have now been uh, partnered up with Young's Market to be our, our distribution partner here. Wow. And uh, they've also taken us on board to work with us in uh, Oregon, Hawaii, and California as well. So oh my God, uh, things are that. really uh, going to be ramping up from the production side as well. I think we need to talk you into being a Seattle wine and food experience. Ah, um, it would be wonderful. Wouldn't yeah, it? most definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, no, you need to be there. I don't know why you're not there. I don't know why. No one's approached me yet. But now he's on the radio, so he has to he say He has yes. to show. He has to show. <laughs> Nothing like pressure, Ian. Uh, no way. Nothing. <laughs> For me, I'm, I'm the worst no guy there is. If you happen to corner me and ask me, yes. Oh. Sometimes it's like no. an enthusiastic yes. Oh, he's a yes guy. But it's usually I'm a yes man. Okay, awesome. Very good. It's good to know. Well, you know, we have some distilleries at the event. We have about a smattering. We have about 15 of them. Oh, that's uh, great. And we have some big, you know, global brands, but we also have some locals. Um, and, you know, what Wine and Food Experience started out as a wine event. And, you know, as the market has changed, you know, it's it's really beverage now. It's not just it wine. It should be. It should be. You, it's very you social. You consume different beverages yeah. at different times during meals. And yeah, and exactly. About all of us. It really is. Tell me some of the distilleries that are going to be. Uh, uh, Captain Spirits will be there. Excellent. Um, oh gosh, what's the one that I totally, they, they have some really great flavored wines. Wild Roots. I'm thinking Glass Distilleries might be there. Glass. Might. They, glass. they may, they may make a piece of Get a little information about who's involved, even though it's uh, <laughs> coming up on February 21st. We can, I think yeah. you're one of those people that can make it happen pretty fast. Yep. So I'll be reaching out to you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be, I'll make sure we get our cards, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Most definitely. This is one of the things I love about these types of events. And it's not just wine events or spirit events. Um, last year, I, I feel really privileged because Socially Savvy got to be a part of Taste Washington, the Washington State Wine Awards, Proof, um, the, the Seattle Food and Wine event. There is so much that Washington has to offer. And you, you take a look at the whole United States, the 50 states of, yeah, this person's got wine, this person... You know, the, the potato state does a certain kind of distillery. And, but Washington does such a fantastic job of bringing food and wine together. Because, let's be honest, it's not always sunny and fun here. So, we are doing a pretty good job. But in Washington, we're always looking for that experience. Um, we... As a state, we produce more charity events than any other state, and eight, I think it's like 835. Um, and so, from a Washington point of view, we're always looking for something that's fun, unique, and that's going to speak to us. And I think Washington does a great job of, of bringing that forward. So if you're listening from Washington or any other state, and you're going to come over, at any given time, if you come to visit us, there's going to be something amazing going on. There always is. And if there's not an actual event going on, tasting rooms. Oh my gosh. I've been all over TripAdvisor. You've got, you guys, glass um, distilleries in downtown Seattle in the Sodo District. Yeah. You've got Woodenville Wine Country. You've got Yakima. You've got... Um, uh, you've got all these different places in Washington where you can literally go 
and have a weekend experience where there's no way you're going to be able to grasp everything. And that's one of the things that I love about the state, and particularly, obviously, pulling back to the Washington State Wine Awards, is they have done such a great job of kind of pulling everybody together and saying, you know what, thank you so much for showcasing our wines in your restaurant. Thank you so much for showcasing our wines in your tourism or pulling everybody together and just kind of showing off how amazing Washington really is. Yeah. part of the country frankly we are we are so fortunate with the bounty that we have here i mean when you think about being close to the water right so we're close oh to yeah the water we're close to the, to the biggest agricultural you know center yakima yep. everything grows over there it's amazing hops mint fruit grapes we've got it all growing here it is at our fingertips it is unbelievable and yep. now uh, not only have we been leading with wine for a long time but now the entire craft beverage it's behind it. It's just booming. You're not kidding. And it's not going to stop anytime soon. It, it's really quite fascinating. There's so many people um, that have a passion about getting into making these products, which is kind of a you know different angle on business these days. People yep. are going back to sort of the, the old roots of wanting to get their hands dirty and really making these products from scratch. Yep. And that's what's so cool about it. The, the craft cocktailing, craft cocktailing, craft winemaking. Um, Washington State, if you take Washington State and you literally lay it over the United States, in Washington State alone, you have pretty much every weather demographic that you could possibly ask for. Uh, I had the opportunity to talk with a couple of wineries here and, and some of them that featured red wine, or I'm sorry, Red Mountain. And on Red Mountain alone, they had eight different varietals, depending on which side of the hillside that they were able to grow, portray, and grab just the essence of what it was supposed to be. Yeah. And you start factoring in distilleries, you start factoring in, and we actually have beers. Lots of beers. It's crazy to we me. We really led, we were one of the leaders in the craft beer industry as well. And uh, I don't know if you saw the announcement this past weekend, but uh, a Legion brewery is down by Marion uh, Stadium. Well, now it's that's just, some uh, news, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it was. You, you know what? I, I mean, I feel like we're the I, Super Bowl of can wine I be honest and beer. Here? Can I be honest here? I mean, I know we're on the air, but we're socially know, savvy. We are on it. We are on controversy to this discussion. Here. No, I like that. Okay, so, so I, I feel a couple of ways about this. There's a lot of bad. Oh yeah, they're you know they're going down the tubes. They got bought by Anna Hazard Bush, right? And I'm like, you know what? If somebody's I, willing to buy you, well, I think that I, I a person who likes to float all boats and I feel like there wouldn't be small business if there wasn't big business and in Washington yep. State we are known for both of those things and and they play off each other very well and so it, it, you know a lot of times things move ahead because big business is able to take the risk and move forward I mean for instance take uh, St. Michelle Wine Estates and what they've done for the wine industry in Washington oh wine with they took them, a wine we would not be where we are and so oh, yeah. I just feel like people you're, have you're a little bit of a short sight on on like when when somebody buys a company like that I mean you have to look at the other side of it that company would never be able to get the kind of distribution that this company yep. is going to be able to take their product to more people they're not going to ruin the product and that drives me crazy that people feel like, oh, well, that's it. I'm not, I'm not buying it anymore. And I'm like, 
state government, 90% of the people in this state work for small businesses. Right. So when you add up the Boeings and the Amazons and the Microsoft, right. and Microsoft and Starbucks and everyone else, a very small percentage of people in this state work for those entities. So we all work for small businesses. Well, and and it's, uh, it's impressive to see how we do work together. Right. And, and that's one of the things that I think makes Washington businesses so unique and which is why I think Washington distilleries, Washington wineries have done such a, an amazing job and been able to blossom. It, I always tell people, it's like, okay, imagine this big, huge field of wildflowers. And there's always those couple of flowers, they just, they're, they're, the colors are brighter, they stand out, and in, in a field of flowers, you're gonna walk through them. That's what Washington wines and Washington distilleries are like. And the, the big difference is, is because of the passion behind them. You've got, um, okay, so you were talking about big business and, and, and them helping. You talk about big business buying little companies. But in Washington, it's not so much about chomping them up. It's about boosting them up. And one of my favorite stories is O-Wine being bought up by Chateau Saint-Michel. Uh, That's right. And Chateau Saint-Michel took on O-Wines because O-Wines was created by Kathleen and Stacy, and their whole process for creating a wine was to feature a wine that would support scholarships to boost the future young people. And they did such a great job on their own, but then they got to a point where they're like, okay, how do we make this more, how, how do we make this more? And they took that and they ended up selling to Chateau Saint-Michel, and Chateau, Chateau did literally take it to that next level. They opened them up into New York, into all these different states. Big business has a place with little business as a partnership. It's not always a gobbling up. Sometimes it's a, a mentorship of, imagine a 75-year-old businessman reaching down to a 25-year-old businessman and going, you have an amazing business model. Can I help you? And, and you see a lot of that in Washington, which I think is very, very um, unique. What do you, I mean, so we're talking about this large business, small business. I wasn't yeah. aware of those numbers, so thank you yeah. for sharing that. I, I love Ian. He's so good. He's like, here's the stats. No, I, <laughs> no that's really interesting. So really, when Share you that. say it, because you know, we do have a lot of leading big companies here. We do. When you talk about percentage, though, you're saying 85% is small business. Yeah. So it, it, um, it's always very newsworthy to talk 
talk about our publicly traded stocks and, and units of, of our companies and, and other large companies may not be publicly traded, but they're big companies, right? right? And, and we could still go through a, a laundry list of companies that warehouse or attack or keep going through the list. And when you say there's 25 or 30,000 people that work for that company, do you know how many people live in Issaquah? And then you add up how many people <laughs> live in Issaquah, Red Bellevue, Red, Red, yes, Woodenville. <laughs> the greater Seattle metropolitan area, and I know Bellevue, I'd hate to hear that. Everett people yeah. hate to hear it to come right. up. But when you're talking about the metropolitan area, right. we are okay, we're talking about the Puget Sound area. Right. You're, you're nearly in excess of 2 million people, right. 1.8 million people. So when you add up all those numbers and you look at the, the eligible workforce, a company the size of Microsoft that employs that many people, it's it's astounding how many small businesses support that. Some of the works at AMPM, right. some oh, of the yeah. works at, at, at XYZ, all right. those little companies that you got, I'd never even heard of that company. Right. The guy that has a print shop that makes business cards that has seven people employed there. The guy that has uh, daycare centers and, and uh, takes care of the children, you name it. The and Subway sandwich guy who up. delivers the sandwiches so that you can be in your business doing your meetings. Jimmy John's. Jimmy John's. <laughs> All the people. Exactly. Places. <laughs> All those people add up, and they can get, the, the numbers can become staggering. That's in just our state. Right. And uh, it looks like that across the country. So why does a company, if we're going to use this example, yeah. why does a company like Anheuser-Busch look to bring on a, uh, a brand like the product coming from Lisa Bruce? Because... They are, they're still handcrafted products with very, very small following. To put it into perspective, the amount of beer that they produce, and they are, they are wildly successful yeah. for a small brewery, they represent less than one-tenth of one percent of one one-thousand of the products available in this, in this country. So take one, one tiny, right. teeny, tiny yeah. fraction of right. all the beer produced, and right. they represent a teeny, tiny fraction of that. Right, right. But... Anheuser-Busch has a distribution network that's not just national, but they're part of a bigger company in that. Right. It's international. Right. And the amount of production that they have, that they can then spread around so that other people around the country can experience the taste of some unique little product like this. From Washington yep. State. It's, it's, it's yeah. an incredible opportunity for Alicia Bruce. I'm so happy for them. That's what I say. And I feel like, you know, I, I don't I don't get to I don't get to say that out loud very often because I'm always afraid somebody's gonna go, oh okay. Small oh, business. no, 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 no we're socially savvy, so we don't care I about I am a small profit. business, and so if you know I'm a small yes. business, but I work with both. And yep. I've always been in that position to work with larger organizations, larger businesses, and meld the two together, and I think that they have to play with each other. Larger organizations are just a small, small the number mentor. of people coming together to yep. form one large entity. It's, it's a bunch of individuals that work together towards a common purpose. That's right. Well, and typically, one of the best, um, I would say, probably compliments you can get is if you're a small business and a larger corporation comes and <laughs> says, hey, we want to buy you, that's a huge compliment. You're doing something right. So. We've talked a lot about the, the wine and beverage industry. You want to switch it over to another kind of juice? You talk L'Oreal, you talk Estee Lauder. Take yeah. a look at what, how yeah. many companies. Estee Lauder alone has over 52 labels underneath it. And I, I guarantee you that anybody who's listening to this right now goes and researches and Google, who does Estee Lauder own? They're gonna be floored with, with the, the independent brands that they own. 
the thing about big business coming in and some people say gobbling up little business, but I say more of the fact that they recognize quality and they want to be a part of the future. If they get to perpetuate that business, they get to be a part of saying, well, that business will continue going on because I have the leverage and I have the power behind me to push that, like a, like a little engine on a, a choo-choo train. You've got all these little cars, and without <laughs> the engine, these little cars aren't gonna go anywhere. So to say that big business is bad or little business won't succeed, you have to have a balance between the two. And big business does really, really well when it's intelligent enough to recognize small business. So amongst the, the many reasons, the primary reasons for any entity to become acquired, uh, one is the power of brand, and two is the, uh, the power of, of earnings for yeah. what that brand in. And if the brand is has a significant amount of cachet, uh, but doesn't have a lot of distribution, but they can see that that brand as if it's putting the right as distribution, a, an appeal, it, yeah, as an appeal that could be broadly accepted, then a larger entity could acquire the brand, the smaller price. Yep. And push it into a distribution market and create a significant value and return on investment. Yep. The other reason that you acquire a brand is that the company is making so much money that you can't not acquire the company because they're doing such a good job at what they do. It, it reflects very it. well on you. Yep. But for these smaller entities, typically it is they see the power of the brand, they see the quality of the product, and say, if you can produce what you've got and you can continue to produce that at 10 times the quantity, we can distribute it for you. But we don't want to change, they don't want to change the name exactly. of the brand. Yep. Or, the quality. Or, or the quality. Or the quality. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, you know, there's there's no belittling. Um, European beer companies may uh, belittle the, the, the beer tastes of it's the average American consumer. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you, it's very complicated and very difficult to make something like an American white lager and actually have a consistent light taste and not be crappy. Well, and this is one of the things that it doesn't matter what business we're talking about. It, it just it, this is what I love about you guys. <laughs> we can sit here all day. We can go. We can go off Before on long, we're tangents. Be a blooper television. <laughs> <laughs> we can go off on tangents, but what's interesting is is how relevant it actually is to the Washington State Wine Awards. Um, you can be big business, you can be small business, but when you're talking about what they were trying to represent tonight, it's about the appeal to public. Sure and is. I don't care if you are this big, huge monster of a company that's been around for 200 years, or if you've been in production for two years, if you can hold the public's appeal, if you can walk in to a restaurant and say, I want this wine, and they're like, why don't we have this wine? Or you can walk into a, a little pub and ask for a wine and it's actually on the menu. That speaks to what consumers want. And in, in the bottom line, that's what business is about. What does the consumer want? How can we make their life better when they come at the end of a really tiring day, nine to five, eight to four, they're fed up with people, they're tired of the crap, politics are bugging them. When you're talking about the social realm of things, people come into the social realm because they're like, 
oh my God, okay, I want someone to take care of me. I want somebody to know what it is that is going to appeal to me. And Washington does such a great job of going, what can I do for you? What can I help you with? What do you like? And we present what they like and we give opportunities, we give taste profiles, we give flavor profiles that fit every demographic. And there is not a restaurant in the greater Washington area with very few exceptions that you can walk into where you can't find something that speaks to you and you go, oh my God, what a great ending to a crappy day. <laughs> or a great day. Or a great day, a great way of celebrating. We get to, we, we walk into a place that's like, we're gonna celebrate tonight. And we find something that is gonna allow us to celebrate. And that's one of the things that I find is so unique to Washington. We're not big business, we're not small business. We are, we're about serving. And, and that's what I love. That would be Nordstrom's fault. Because they started that <laughs> they many, did start many that. years ago. <laughs> And I'll tell you what, I was talking to um, the operations director from Restaurants Unlimited today, and we were both very young restaurant managers way back when, and uh, when Restaurants Unlimited was first coming up in the world, and that restaurant company had, it was like the Nordstrom's policy, wow. was the customer service seat of that restaurant company, and it influenced a lot of other companies at that time to take on that customer service profile, and as a service person, I've always been in this industry, and that is so strong, and I think it really came from Nordstrom's from many years ago. I really do. I think they set that tone here. I would totally agree. Well, and in every area, and, and you know, obviously we live in Washington, we're talking about Washington with the Washington State Wine Awards. <laughs> we're going to go on about Washington. <laughs> if you live in another state and are listening to the show, it's not that we don't love you, we just don't know you. So, within every state. Yeah, I live in two states. <laughs> you do, you live, I love the Texas. Yeah. Oh my God, Texas is a whole nother kind of taking care of things. But um, when you're talking about the Northwest, there is just a warmth that comes from, I think, just the eclectic type of our, our uh, weather, our chemistry, that there's something in our services that we're just like, how can I take care of you? you? You walk in my door, I see that look on your face, I know that look on your face, I had it two hours ago. How can I take care of you? And that's one of the things I think that Washington Wines and Washington Distilleries have done such a great job of taking care of. Understanding and then meeting the needs. Um, tonight we saw awards go out to sommeliers, to restaurants. Um, the wines as a whole reach out to the community and they say, you know what, thank you so much for taking care of us, for bringing us on, for introducing us. And allowing us to be part of your population, part of your culture. Um, and that's one of the things that I find very unique to Washington. I don't hear about this in a lot of other states. And so tonight was really about celebrating that and celebrating distillers like you, Ian. And um, just chatting about if you happen to be in another state and you're listening, reach out to your local people, find out what's going on, because I think you'd be surprised at how many local distillers. How many local wines, how many local restaurants really try to pull that local feel because it is very unique in every location? It is. And uh, I'll tell you, it's, it's, we are the exception rather than the rule. Yes, um, I would agree with that. The, 
number one wine producer in the country is, is uh, my state of wine. It's California. And they produce Not wine. for long, just saying. Throw it down the ball. Oh, yeah. We can compete in quality. I'm not sure we can compete in quantity. We can't quantity. compete on quantity. Uh, that's not going to be possible in Washington State for, for the foreseeable future. Um, but the number two wine producer in the country behind California is Washington State. Now, we're a very we are distant a newbie. second. Yeah. Uh, and we are fairly new compared yep. to California. But we produce uh, the quality of wines that we have based upon our um, uh, geography and the geology that exists in the state to compete with some of the best wines in the world. Absolutely. And you, you've spoken to it uh, on several different occasions this evening where you talked about the passion of Washingtonians and, and we're, uh, we're very much given the opportunity to pull up by our own bootstraps and do it kind of uh, entity. And it, it shows by the fact that the Washington wine industry really didn't even get it, get go until the 1980s. Yeah, which is about the time I started drinking and some wine. Of, <laughs> yeah, and some of the some of the, the, the what they call the, the founding fathers in the industry, and in fact, some of the, the land that is producing some of the finest grapes, like Red Mountain, really wasn't being cultivated till the late 80s. So, uh, for as far as we have come so quickly, it is truly amazing. We're well over 800 wineries in the state now. Um, we saw the advent of the, the brewery revolution, the beer revolution in the 1990s, and we became one of the leaders in the craft beer industry in the state. And now we're uh, coming up like on, Red Hook on and what have you. well, now we're leaders, we're becoming in distilleries. Uh, now we are in the craft distillery, distillery business. So uh, to, to put it in perspective, the first craft, or I won't even say craft, the first distiller's license issued by the state was in 2007 to dry fly spirits over in Spokane. The first distillery in Washington State, uh, pardon me, in Seattle, outside of the whole area of Washington State, was 2010. Talk about newbies. And then, and that was 2010, it's now 2015. I got my license years. in 2012, and I was number 23. Wow. And there are over 133 licensed distilleries in the state already. And it, there's still applications. I can barely keep up to it because we there are need new to do a whole show time. on that because of the whole. It, it goes all the way back to the banning of alcohol and the underground, and there's yep. so much culturally that went into it. And it's so funny how when something's just kind of left alone, nobody really messed with it, and then all of a sudden somebody says, "Well, but I want this." Well, there's a law against it. Well. It's been decades. Can we fix it? So we've changed it. And we and changed it. That, that revolution is taking place across the country, but to show the passion that comes from Washingtonians, yep. for whatever reason, we have more distilleries licensed, now maybe not in operation yet, but we do have more licensed in the state of Washington. And my other home state, Texas, I think there's uh, 53, 55 licensed distilleries wow. now, and that's truly just come to, to fruition in the last couple of years. So we're still outpacing a state that, that just the city of, of uh, Dallas-Fort Worth is bigger than the entire population of Washington. Well, technically, Texas is the third largest state if you cut Alaska in half. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so we, we have this, this entrepreneurial Amazing. spirit to say, yeah. I, I can build a better mousetrap or I can make something and it's going to be my unique expression of what it is. And uh, we're seeing that in, we have seen it for decades now in the Washington wine industry, how it has grown. And uh, we're starting to see that in, in uh, 
the distillery business as well. We saw it in the prepper. Well, this is one of the things coming in, you know, socially savvy is we're going into our fourth anniversary. Um, and it has been so fun. We started our first show with an on-air wine tasting. And that was just out of nerves. Like we had a glass of wine before the show and we're drinking wine during the first show. And it's like, oh my God, we have to start every show off with this. Because of course, what's more social than, than a beverage? But more than that, you know, in the beginning it was kind of funny. But as I've gone on the years, I realized alcoholic beverages, whether they're, regardless of what the origin is, it is a very social part. Um, a lot of people identify through their culture through their alcohol. Um, a lot of people will kind of lean on it because they want to make an impression. They think, okay, I'm going to have a dinner party. I have to have a great wine. Or if you have a very cultural event and it's around a certain time of year, I have to have a certain alcohol. A lot of people identify with spirits and wine around certain times of the year. And celebration events. I, you know, oh, yeah. there is the dark side of, of a, um, a the drug like dark alcohol. Side. <laughs> um, because there are people that abuse it. There are people that abuse everything. There, there is an exception to that, yeah. It's impossible. But for the most part, if we want to get into generalizations, um, Wine, spirits, and beer are considered, in, in the world in which I live, sort of a celebratory item. Well, if you and really want to go... the end of a great day. Oh, yeah. Or, 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 or whatever event it might be, you might just have a, a great day at work. Uh, you might be celebrating a, a, a get-together, watching a football game. Or like, maybe you're just coming home. What, what is that other team? Besides the Huskies, what is it? Oh, or that, that sea, sea birds or Seahawks. Yeah, yeah, that's it, the Seahawks. <laughs> you know, there's a few, few gallons of beer consumed on Seahawks mm, Yeah, and actually this year, I think there's quite a bit of wine. Quite a bit of wine. But I always laugh because if you really want to go back in history and you want to say, oh, there wasn't, there wasn't alcoholism, people always want to take a negative connotation. Um, we have been drinking spirited beverages since pretty much the dawn of time. Uh, for about 2,000 years. Yeah, it's pretty much in the Bible. So <laughs> when you talk about something that somebody puts on the table when they're bringing people together, it's usually some kind of an alcoholic beverage. Now, is it to get everyone drunk? No. But there's something about wine and distilled beverages that just kind of gets everyone to relax. And, and if you get the right, you get the right types of beverages for the right types of people, you can create a lot of um, culture. You have a lot of chemistry that goes on. It amazes me how many people automatically go to the negative side of things. And life is about balance. There's positives and there's negatives. And honestly, I've not found very many negatives, especially when you get a ride in to where you're going if you can drink. I don't know. There, there's no responsibility lost there. I think there, there are a few. And, and, um, I know it, uh, we, we talked about this earlier that we wanted to touch on a few of the things that um, may not be sort of uh, socially Yes, savvy. we're going to chat here in just a second. We're going to cover that. Yes. You hate to get into that uh, that dark side, but there are some of those, there uh, are those personal not, responsibility not so, yes. issues also. So one of the things, that we're going to just take a, a moment here, Kind Bars, Kind Healthy Snacks, a brand of all natural foods made from ingredients you can pronounce as well as understand. 
You can find them at your local grocery store or at www.pinesnacks.com. While drinking, you can make your drunk a smart person who knows how to slow things down, or you can be a dumb person and be stupid. <laughs> Very true. Very true. We've all been intoxicated. I mean, let's be honest. My list is just enough that I'm probably not drivable right now. <laughs> you mean you can't drive? I don't, I don't think that I could drive or be drivable at this point. He did not say that, did he? He, he did. did. I, I, I bet Uber would drive you home. <laughs> Uber, well, you know, not that you're plugging Uber, but I bet Uber would drive you home. They might look at me and go, is she drivable? I don't know. But <laughs> this is what I love about live broadcasts is all the stuff that goes on around us. But talking about knowing when to drink, knowing. Say when? Yes, exactly. When to say when. Um, let's have let's chat about how to attend drinking events. First off, you should go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that one. All right. So Seattle Wine Food Experience is coming up February twenty first and twenty second. Shameless plug there, but anyway. I love your um, plugs. Yeah. So what I want to say is this, because you know when you're when you're putting on an event for you know a few thousand people, there's a lot of people around a lot of alcohol. Drink a lot. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of alcohol. And um, it's perfectly okay, and you should actually take advantage of all of the dump buckets. We call them dump buckets. Platoons is a nicer word, but that every single vendor at the event has at their table. Yep. Okay? And the idea, this is a tasting event. There's a difference between drinking and tasting. Tasting is so that you can educate your palate to a new product. And in doing that, it is perfectly okay to spit that out. And there are water pitchers and platoons and all kinds of ways for you to be able to do that. Um, over the course of three or four hours, you will probably be able to taste them. You cannot taste everything at an event. You have to decide ahead of time what you want to focus on so that you can really you know, learn something while you're out there and figure out what it is you might want to buy after the show. And that's part of it, is to introduce consumers to new products, right? So I think people need to be aware that that there's a difference between tasting and drinking. I would totally agree. Um, I love wine. I love spirits. With spirits, it's a little easier for me to go, oh, okay, time to slow down. With wine, I get happy. I'm just going to say it, you know, Duchess gets happy. But even for me, one of the hardest things for me, because I respect and understand the passion that goes behind wine, it is so hard to dump even the smallest amount away. And so I'm going to speak to those who have that hard time. It's not an insult and it's not that you're not enjoying the wine, but if you want to be able to walk away from an event and really grab more than, I would say conservatively four or five brands, you have to spit. You have to let go of that juice because it takes what, six wines? six winery tastings at two to three wines and you're pretty much toasted. <laughs> she handed that to me and I'm not really sure why. But, um, <laughs> Happy drunk. <laughs> right. But okay, the other thing is you need to hydrate. You need to drink water in water. between yep. your tasting. You need to have something to eat. I mean, all of those things go together. You yep. know, I mean, particularly wine. Wine is a food, but it's not the... It's not the kind of food that's going to sustain <laughs> you while you're tasting a lot of alcohol. So you need real food yes. to go with what you're tasting. And, and you know, and pace yourself because you want to be able to enjoy your time there. Yep. Even in a winery tasting room or a distillery tasting room, you know, you can't taste it all. And 
everyone in the industry of professionals that we know is that no one can insult them. Uh, what's insulting is that you have to grab a bottle of wine from them. Oh, and good lord. That's oh, oh, that's my God. They'll typically pour uh, you about a quarter of an ounce to a half an ounce of wine. It's enough that um, you can swirl in the glass, get a bit of appreciation from the nose, yep. get a little bit in your mouth, smell it around from, from uh, tip to tail in your tongue. And then when you spit it out, it's not an insult to you. Yep. And, uh, and you can taste quite a few, but even at that, there's only so many wines that you can taste before they start to become confusing. So I would encourage your listeners, um, the best way to remember what you liked about it, so that you're not influenced by lots of other things, and there's a lot of influences in your tasting, oh, yeah. write down a couple notes of what you like. Well, it's and every event how has... Well those come back to you later, how well those, those oh, yeah. And every event, when you walk in, they will hand you a book that will give you a list of who's there. They'll give you a list of what wines that typically taste that you have the opportunity or spirits you have the opportunity tasting. Um, and I have to say, Washington is really good about giving you a pen so that when you're going through, you can mark, oh, okay, I really love this. It was bold. Make small notes. It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to be uh, you know, a journalist. You don't have to make huge notes. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, earmarking the page. I love this wine. I love the spirit. It's not so much about the consumption. It's more about recognizing what do you, what is it you liked, and then walking away with that, and then going later on and having that. More Shall I give you the new school tech approach? I would love Use that. Use your Record phone. It. Record it. Record it. Phones when are fabulous. The, uh, Auto memo on the iPhone. Take a yeah. photo. You can just say, I just memo, tasted X, Y, and Z, and it yep. was great, and I want to find out more. Yeah. And then you want to get some great uh, feedback, or not feedback, but, but um, uh, personalized notes. Let the winemaker or the wine rep who's there representing oh, the brand. Just go that. click. Just let them say their, their 10 seconds feel. Feel, and they and love it. go back, you've got it. Yep. So with that in mind, here's a couple of things to keep in mind when attending drinking events. Know your level of intoxication. Level one, tipsy. Level two, intoxicated and happy. Hey, what is intoxicated in this state? I... 0.08. That is correct, 0.08. I love it. Okay, so I'm Do thinking... Do you know how much it takes to get drunk on that? Not much at One all. One drink, a few yeah. drinks maybe. Depending on your blood alcohol. Yeah. And if you're a diabetic, it's even less. True, true. Um, level... So here's here's what I love. We changed this. It was levels, but in in my brain it's DEFCON. So DEFCON one is Pepsi. DEFCON two is intoxicated and happy. You should not be drinking at DEFCON two or driving. Let me rephrase. Hello, I've been drinking. You should not be driving at DEFCON two. DEFCON three, drunk and unknown, which means you have a really difficult time of recognizing certain aspects. It's not necessarily where you are. Maybe it's people, maybe it's what you had five minutes ago. There is an unknown factor, and as soon as you recognize an unknown, yeah, you're at DEFCON 3. DEFCON 4, drunk and antagonistic. Drunk and antagonistic typically comes along when you are drinking an alcohol that makes you antagonistic. This goes into a whole different kind of DEFCON. You need to know what drinks make you antagonistic and what drinks do not. Don't mix your beverages. And of course, DEFCON 5, drunk and out of control. Well, if you're there, there's nobody who can help you. <laughs> Not a person. Well, we all have <laughs> We have all there. tried that one. 
So what we encourage is, is kind of understand what kind of an, a drinker you are. I'm a happy drunk. So even at DEFCON 5, I'm pretty, pretty much happy. Um, I can tell an Uber driver or um, anybody else, a taxi, how to get my ass home. But I'm still at DEFCON 5. And I recognize that. If you are new to drinking or if you have not recognized what kind of alcohols and how they interact with your chemistry, that's a really, really big deal. Uh, I hear it all the time. Somebody says, oh, in college I had tequila and fell out, now I hate tequila. No, you had bad tequila and you drank it badly. Or you had bad gin and you drank it badly. Understand a little bit about your DNA and your cultural history will tell you a lot about what your body can handle and what it can't. Don't look at that and say, oh, you know, my grandparents, they're just silly. There's a lot to that, and you need to understand it and think about it when you're drinking. But most importantly, if you've had two drinks, I would tell anybody, call a cab, call Uber, call Swift. I don't, call somebody with a mustache. Just don't just, drive. Just don't drive. Sleep on, seriously, Not sleep on the street. <laughs> Talk to anyone that's gotten a DUI. Ask them if it was worth it, and ask them if they would have bought... Um, my God, would it would it have paid ten thousand dollars for a cab ride home or gotten a DUI? Oh, in Washington State, you'd you rather could, have the ten thousand dollar cab ride. Home. You could cab ride from Washington to Yakima and still be thousands of dollars ahead. Yeah. Yeah, there's reality for you. So, other tip: don't mix your alcohol. Can't tell you how many times. Um, I have young adults and they love wine, which is fun because they see me drinking wine and I'll share with them. And then they start mixing and they wonder what went terribly wrong. Typically what terribly goes wrong is you've mixed up all. Don't you know the old adage where you say liquor before beer, never fear, wine before liquor, never sicker. You know why that old adage plays through? How have I never heard that? You've never heard that? I haven't either. I haven't heard that. I love you. It you has the to do with the, uh, the fact that if you're drinking liquor first and your body is absorbing alcohol at the rate that you are putting it in there. Which is a higher concentrate it, typically higher than wine. Yeah. But if, for example, what is going to get you more drunk? One average serving of scotch or a vodka tonic or a vodka soda or a glass of wine or a 12-ounce beer? Alcohol. Which one? Full liquor. on, tonic. No, nope, not true. What? There's the same amount of alcohol in a 12 ounce beer. 13%? As it, it's not, no, it's, it's the, the percentage by volume. By volume. Oh. That's the misnomer. People think, oh, I'm drinking liquor, I'm going to get wasted. Well, if you drink a glass of wine in an hour and you drink a glass of vodka that's a one ounce pour, oh, that's it, true. it's the same amount of alcohol. Oh. Now, if you consume five glasses of wine and two glasses of scotch, believe me, you're more drunk with the amount of alcohol that your body has absorbed from the, from wine. the wine. But when you're consuming alcohol and you're consuming distilled spirits, and if you're drinking a lot of it, and you're getting happy, you're getting towards those DEFCON levels. Which I'm definitely And then you slow down right by starting to drink something like uh, Amstel Light or Coors Light. The alcohol is being outweighed by the amount of water that you're also putting in your body. And you're slowing down the absorption of alcohol if you keep drinking at a certain pace. Now, if you go the other direction, start drinking. Hyping it up. Hyping it up by yep. drinking lots of beer and 
Then you start down in shots of spirits. Oh, so that's why that's so fun. Yeah, that's why <laughs> that's so people go, hey, let's have let's a have shot. <laughs> Like it's a really good idea. Oh, it always sounds like a good idea. (laughs) Well, and one of the, you you bring up a really good point, and uh, I had the privilege of, like Stacey, we talked last year at this event about that, and um, she had two amazing points for me, which I'd never thought about. Uh, Number one was when you're drinking red wine, for every glass of red wine, swirl a little bit of white wine because of the whole purple teeth thing we were laughing about earlier. Uh, But the other one was for every glass of wine, drink a glass of water. It's, you know, it helps keep your hydration up. It helps keep you more sober. But more than that, it allows you to make better decisions because you're slowing down. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying, I mean, I love a great party. I love wines. I love distilled anything, especially if it's craft, because I get into the history of it. I get into the passion. Um, You like the story. I love the story. You can get me drunk off the story alone. <laughs> Jamie's laughing at me. <laughs> She's like, oh no, girl, I've been drunk off the story plenty of times. But <laughs> for me, it's, um, to me, there's so much culture and history that, and family that goes into what we do in Washington. It's really easy for me to get caught up in that. And I have to back off. And my listeners will tell you, they can tell when I've been drinking and when I'm not because my list becomes very apparent. So for me, it's really easy for people to realize, oh, she's happy, let's call her a cab. Or she's happy, does she know to call a cab? But with a lot of people, a lot of your friends, especially when they're young, you don't know. So if you're in that environment and you're having a good time, there's nothing wrong with having that good time, but you do need to know your level of intoxication and be able to go, you know, I'm a different for I I need some help with this. And, I'm just going to call Typically by Uber. level four, you, you, you forgot that you needed help. I, I would hope <laughs> that you, you would have already asked for it. You better be with someone. You probably think you don't need help. Yeah. You think oh, you, you definitely don't need help. Yeah. I don't need that. Oh, no, I mean, I'm fine. I don't know. I've, I've, I'm always looking for help, so maybe I'm going to do it like that. That's okay. Well, I want to thank Jimmy for being here tonight. You do some amazing things. Um, if people want to know about what's going on in the spirit and the wine community, they can definitely check out Table Talk. Uh, you have amazing events that you produce, and I'm really looking forward to what you got going on in 2015. Ooh. Well, um, if you want to follow me at tabletopnorthwest.com, that would be great. We have a great newsletter. Try to keep people up to date on what's happening behind the scenes, and then hope to see you at Seattle Wine and Food Experience. And um, happy 2015. Thanks for having me. Of course, I will definitely see you at Food Wine and Food. nice seeing you and great hearing you. Yeah, we'll talk to you. Okay. Thank you. Ciao, Bella. Bye, guys. Well, we're just getting ready to wrap up the show, but there's a couple little things I thought we would chat about real quick. Um, never talk negatively about wine. It's a very personal choice. I find this really interesting when we're talking to, about coming to events like this. People come in, they're like, oh, Syrahs, they're just so, ugh. That is, wine and spirits are such a personal preference. It's okay to say, you know that's not my preference, but don't use negative connotations. Don't use those, um, for lack of a better word, those nasty South Park words. Because it is so I, personal. I couldn't agree more. For being from just being socially, uh, socially acceptable terminology. Versus socially inept. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it shows your lack of understanding uh, of the of any particular industry to 
degrade one product versus the other. Yeah. Um, in, in the distilled spirits business here in Washington State, because everyone's so young, there's really no one that is just so far ahead of the game than anyone else that they should be critical of one another within the industry. But from a consumer standpoint, uh, I totally agree. When, when you when you judge a product, product based upon the profile that you're experiencing in your mouth, it may not be pleasing to you, and there may be lots and lots, and likely there are lots of people that, that do find it pleasing, yeah. because we all have different palates and we all have different um, Our life uh, is feelings yeah, about what you think. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, if it's not to you, that's great. That doesn't make it a great Just wine, doesn't make it a bad thank wine. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Um, another thing, when you're talking about tasting wines, uh, don't wear fragrance. I know that a lot of us, men and women, we, we get to this point where when you're talking about fragrance, we've spent a lot of time picking out a fragrance that reflects who we are. Uh, I've been in the industry for a long time, and I've watched people spend an hour, two hours trying to pick out a fragrance. This is who I am. And so every time they go somewhere, they're wearing this fragrance. When you're talking about wine tasting or spirit tasting, that is not the place to wear a fragrance. Agreed. Because it overrides the sense that the sensory that actually helps us taste. A lot of people don't realize that your 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 sense of smell is a big, huge, and actually the majority of your 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 taste of, of um, anything. Anything comes from your sense of smell. Exactly. Right. So they're they're very intertwined. So when you're talking about going into a setting. Um, even if it's a casual, somebody says, we know we're going to be tasting a couple of wines tonight at, the, at our dinner party. Be really conservative with your fragrance. If not, just completely leave it, it away. Because you know what? It, it actually is more interfering to the people around you than yeah. it is to yourself. Because you won't know. You get used to it very quickly. Yep. And even though you can still smell it on, on yourself, if yep. you were to like, take a very intense smell of it, for the most part, you're your olfactory nerves have taken over and said, ah, I know what that smell is. I know what it is. The and people around off. you, woof. Especially people that overdo it with fragrance. And here's one of the things, and I don't mean to be negative about somebody who smokes because I personally love cigar smokers. I love the smell of cigars. But when you're talking about cigars and cigarettes, if you really want to kind of understand um, what a fragrance does when somebody walks in a room, if somebody just smoked a cigarette and you're not a cigarette smoker, they walk in, it's the first thing that overwhelms your senses. So be aware that any kind of fragrance, whether it be a cigar, a cigarette, a fragrance, um, and interestingly enough, the more preservatives or the, the more, uh, what's the word, fragrances that are replicated, that are not natural, that are in the fragrance, the more overwhelming it can be. So. I want to thank you, Ian, so much for being a part thank of tonight's you so much show. For we have way too much fun tonight. We have literally closed out this place. Yeah, they have. They've closed it down around us. I love this. It's beautiful. <laughs> so with our show now national, we wanted to start putting most of our local events on our Facebook page. Be sure to check them out on social media. Um, you can go to Socially Savvy Eastside Events and Entertainment to find out events that are catered more towards the Eastsiders events. Um, you can also check out LB Duchess and Socially Savvy to kind of find out what's coming up. Um, Tonight's show sponsors, Gunnar Nordstrom Gallery, Bellevue Nordstrom Cosmetics, Kind Bars, Cascade Ice, Vodka, Glass Vodka, Pain Center of Bellevue, Advanced Skin and Body Solutions, My Cakes, and Sweet Lounge Bellevue. Ending tonight's show, we have tasted a barrage of alcohols. We will definitely be listing all of the different wines we had uh, the opportunity to taste tonight. So if you get a chance, 
walk into their tasting rooms, let them know that you heard about them through Socially Savvy, uh, and let them know what you love and even what you're not so sure of because that helps them to cater and then also be able to find a wine that is gonna be very specific to you. We wanna remind you all to subscribe to the Socially Savvy Show to be entered into drawings for our prizes from our savvy sponsors and check us out on RSS Radio at, on your smartphones to make every event better because you are there. Thank you so very much and have a socially savvy week. Good night. Good night. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.